This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Oh, baby. It is really, really starting to feel like old times around here. Warm summer night, early July, the 7th of July to be exact. Yanks and Red Sox on a gorgeous evening inside Fenway Park. A one-run Yankees lead as they head to the bottom of the ninth. Clay Holmes, who has up until this point been the best closer in Major League Baseball this year in a season in which he did not begin as the Yankees' closer. He's about to find out what it's really like to close ball games for the Yankees in this pressure cooker of a rivalry. He needs only to ask Mariano Rivera or Aroldis Chapman or David Robertson or other Yankee closers of the past several years who have been in this situation. Clay Holmes is, as we speak, walking through the outfield grass at Fenway Park right into that situation for the first time as the Yankees' closer. Clay Holmes, the former Pittsburgh Pirate, coming over to New York last year, did a great job under the radar somewhat, started the season in the same fashion until he was thrown or thrust into the spotlight after a Aroldis Chapman's struggles and then injury as the Yankees' closer, and he's about to find out what that is all about. I am Pat O'Keefe. Great to be with you again for the uh, second night in a row right here up until midnight. Uh, we got Jacob Perry and Jake Montgomery producing the show for tonight. So that's where we stand right now with the Yanks heading to the bottom of the ninth. A 6-5 to five lead over the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. A game in which the Yankees led 5 to nothing. They're trying to hold on. They now lead 6-5. to five. The Mets, meanwhile, just wrapped up a drama-free 10-0 win at City Field over the Miami Marlins. Spoke about them last night as they came from behind to beat the Reds with that five-run explosion in the 10th inning to salvage the rubber match of that three-game series in Cincinnati. Uh, the Mets, including tonight's game, which has just finished, leading into the All-Star break, eight of their 11 games are against either the Marlins or the Cubs. The other three are against the Atlanta Braves, who just don't want to ever lose. So very important for the Mets to take care of business against the likes of the Marlins and the Cubs leading into the All-Star break. So far, so good. Uh, we'll talk about the Mets and hear some post-game reaction from them as well. Trevor Williams, a huge effort on the mound. Seven shutout innings, allowed just two hits and struck out seven. J.D. Davis, the big blow in that game, a grand slam in the fifth to break it open. And again, the Mets beat Don Mattingly and the Miami Marlins by a score of 10 nothing. The Marlins are in pushovers. They're now 39-42 and with the loss at City Field tonight. Regardless of what happens over the next five or ten minutes at Fenway Park, a lot of the conversation from this Yankees game, whether they win or whether they lose, is going to center around the man who started the game for the Yankees, Garrett Cole. And when we saw Cole's name pop up on the uh, pitching probables list earlier this week as starting off this four-game weekend series at Fenway Park, uh, we all knew that the last time we saw Cole on that mound in Fenway was the wild card game last October. That flame out in which he couldn't get into the or out of the fourth inning. And the Yankees went down meekly in their lone playoff game of 2021. It was uh, his first opportunity as the Yankees ace to take the mound in that spot in the postseason in front of fans. And he failed miserably. So a lot of the attention, because let's be honest, Cole is a guy who has not been great in the big spot or against the Boston Red Sox or at Fenway Park. Well, tonight you had all of those wrapped up together. You had a big spot, start of a four-game series in which the Red Sox, who are coming on strong, are trying to get themselves back into the race, either in the American League East or more probably the American League Wild Card while the Yankees are trying to continue their dominance in that position. You have the Red Sox as the opponent. You have Fenway Park as the venue. Well, Garrett Cole was staked to a 5-0 lead, as I said. And let's be honest, it was an underwhelming performance for Garrett Cole. Now, one guy did all the damage. You heard Kevin Winter, the update at the top of the hour. One guy has done all the damage so far for the Boston Red Sox. That's Rafael Devers, who has killed Cole his entire career. 
Devers with a two-run home run in the bottom of the third inning to make it 5-2. to two. After the Yankees extended their lead to 6-2, to two, Devers hit a three-run shot in the bottom of the fifth, his next at-bat, to make it 6-5. to five. But Cole was able to put up a zero after that. And one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest, why the Yankees are where they are this season, the bullpen, they have so far done their job. Wandy Peralta, one and a third innings out of the bullpen. He struck out two. Michael King recorded the final two outs of the eighth inning, including a strikeout. And now, as we mentioned, it is Clay Holmes on the mound facing the bottom half of the Red Sox lineup. Already one out, nobody on base as uh, Holmes has run the count full to three and two. But Garrett Cole continues to make you worry if you're a Yankees fan. And in this wonderful Yankee season in which they're two outs away from picking up their 60th win against only 23 losses. I cataloged it last night, and you might think I'm crazy, but I'm not. This isn't, even though the winning percentage says it's the same, this isn't the 1998 Yankees, as Cole, or excuse me, Cole, Clay Holmes uh, strikes out the batter for out number two, and uh, he's going to try and get former Yankee Rob Refsnyder to end the game here in the bottom of the ninth inning. You know, there are there are holes within the Yankees lineup um, that give you pause and give you reason for concern when this team faces a big-time team in a big spot. Obviously, the team everybody's focused on right now is the Houston Astros, but this is a really good test. This Boston Red Sox team, after starting the season 11-20, and 20, has been one of the best in baseball. I know the last week they've slumped a little bit, but they are right in the thick of the pennant race, the wild card race, I should say, in the American League. And this is a good test, and this was a good test for Garrett Cole. And again, let's be honest, he did not pass that test today. Now, he didn't fail, because right now the Yankees are one out away from winning the game as Ruff Snyder, a weak grounder, homes off the mound, and he does close out a 1-2-3 inning. So the Yankees take the opener 6-5. to five. Clay Holmes, unbelievable performance. Yes, it was against the bottom half of the Red Sox lineup, but the Yankees take the opener of this weekend four-game series despite the struggles of Garrett Cole. Now, you can't say that Cole's night was a failure because he's going to get the win. More importantly, his team gets the win, but Garrett Cole himself will pick up the win. But the numbers, six innings, five earned runs, three walks, and two home runs allowed in those six innings. And those numbers are underwhelming. And you worry about this guy. Again, you continue to worry about this guy in a big spot. And I think the fact is, now Cole is... His numbers are among the best in the American League, even with his setback tonight. He is going to probably be a member of the American League All-Star team once again. His numbers and his reputation will likely earn him a spot there. But the only things that are important when you're talking about Garrett Cole are how comfortable or confident are you going to be when he takes the ball for game one of a playoff series or when he takes the ball for game seven of a playoff series or when your team is facing elimination because the stature that he holds in that Yankees clubhouse and the way that his contract is structured tells you that he should be a guy who when he steps up to that mound in a big spot, you should have ultimate confidence that he's going to get the job done. And I'll tell you right now, I don't have that confidence that he's going to get the job done. He had an opportunity tonight to change my opinion somewhat coming off that disastrous performance in the wild card game last year against Boston, and he did not. He did not. And you've seen these guys through Cole's tenure with the Yankees who he has trouble with. G-Man Choi is one in Tampa Bay. Can't get the guy out. Every time Choi steps into the batter's box against Cole, he hits a home run. You wonder where are the adjustments. You know, Devers comes into the game tonight with three career home runs against Cole. And then in the third inning, he smacks one out when the Yankees are on top five to nothing. Where are the adjustments? And then his next at-bat, two innings later, he does it again. He's got five career home runs against Garrett Cole more than any other player in Major League Baseball. Where are the adjustments? And Cole's reaction after the second home run that made it 6-5. to five, When he turned, he threw his arms up in the air. I don't know if he was mad at himself 
or if he was mad at pitching coach Matt Blake, who had just visited the mound. But the body language was not awe-inspiring or confidence-inspiring either. So it was a troubling sequence for Garrett Cole. It wasn't an abject failure because, again, his team wins the game and he wins the game. And then the other thing that you have to mention about Cole's night is he gives up the two runs in the third. He gives up the three runs in the fifth inning. And then he goes out there and he throws a zero up on the board in the sixth inning to give Aaron Boone one more inning of work, three more outs before he has to go to his bullpen. And the bullpen, once again, was brilliant. Peralta, one and a third. King, two-thirds. Holmes, one inning. No runs, no hits, four strikeouts, and one walk in three innings of work out of the bullpen. The offensive heroes tonight, Josh Donaldson, a grand slam in the third. Right after that, Aaron Hicks, a solo home run. And then Hicks would later double and score in a double by Jose Trevino. And that ended up being the difference in the game because that made it 6-2 to two and gave the Yankees all the insurance they need, just enough insurance to withstand the second home run by Rafael Devers, the three-run home run that came in the fifth inning. No runs after that. Cole and then the Yankees' bullpen shutting the Red Sox down from there. So game one of this weekend, four-game series in the books. The Yankees have now won their 60th game. Their record is an absurd 60-23. and 23. Three more games this weekend coming up against the Boston Red Sox. Pretty good baseball night, I'd say. For the Yanks and the Mets here in New York, although this summer, the spring and summer of 2022, most baseball nights have been pretty good and then some. The Mets beat the Marlins 10-0, start of a four-game weekend series at City Fields, and the Yankees go into Fenway, also beginning their own four-game weekend series, jump out to a 5-0 lead over the Red Sox and hold on to win 6-5, a grand slam by Josh Donaldson, a home run and a double for Aaron Hicks, who is suddenly starting to contribute more and more regularly. And then most importantly for the Yankees, the bullpen lights out again over the final three innings, Peralta, King, and Holmes. Three hitless, scoreless innings to shut it down. Yankees beat the Red Sox 6-5 to in a game in which Garrett Cole gets the win, uh, was shaky again in a big spot, Didn't certainly didn't eliminate concerns that you have about Cole in the high-pressurized situation, but he didn't make the situation worse either. He could have. Look, the Yankees were up 5 to nothing. They were up 5-2, to two, they were up 6-2, to two, and then all of a sudden it was 6-5. to five. Garrett Cole could have folded at that point. And it's funny, I started the show and it sounded like a lot of gloom and doom. But let's take this night for what it was. The Yankees just went into Fenway Park and beat the Red Sox 6-5. to five. And it was the whole Fenway Park experience. Yankees' first trip there here on July 7th, that's unusual. So the fans there were were jazzed up to see the Yankees come in for the first time. You know, it felt like old times in many ways because the Yankees clearly have the upper hand over Boston right now and the rest of Major League Baseball with the way they're playing, having wrapped up their 60th win of the season tonight against just 23 losses. So the Yankees are once again clearly in that role of the favorite. Boston and their fans feeding off that role that they have held for oh so many years and oh so many decades, the role of the underdog trying to knock off the big bad Yankees. And they almost did again. So I felt like I started the show with a little too much, perhaps, gloom and doom, considering that the Yankees did win the game in Fenway Park. So let's look at the positives. I mentioned the offense, and especially the guys who have struggled throughout the season. And why was the offense, or why did it have to be carried by the likes of Donaldson and Aaron Hicks tonight? Because the Yankees' two most productive hitters this season weren't playing. Aaron Judge missed the game. Lower back tightness. He sat out. He... Aaron Boone had said earlier in the day here on uh, the Michael K show on 98.7 that he could be available tonight in a pinch hitting role. And then Anthony Rizzo misses his third straight game with back spasms. So Judge and Rizzo, their two most productive hitters this season, not in the lineup. And yet the Yankees still go into Fenway Park and put six runs on the board early, jump out to a big lead early. And then the bullpen of Peralta and King and Holmes. And let me ask you this. I mean, Clay Holmes, I started the show as he was literally walking in from the bullpen 
to enter the game to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning in a one-run game. And my opening point was, yeah, he's been the Yankees' closer for uh, about a month and a half, two months now, and he's done a fantastic job. You can't argue with the numbers. He now has a 0.47 earned run average. He picked up his 16th save of the season tonight. But this was different. That situation that he walked into tonight was different. And any person who has held the role of Yankees closer over the last 20 to 25 years will tell you that it's different. Well, how did he do? 10 pitches. Story. Pop out to second. Cordero. Strikeout swinging. Ref Snyder. Grounded out to the pitcher. Three up. Three down. 10 pitches. Utterly dominant. Yankee closers have not made a habit of looking that dominant in one-run games at Fenway Park since, since I don't know. So anybody out there, and I'm not saying there's a lot of people out here who have been waiting for this, but anybody out there who's been waiting for the other shoot to drop with Clay Holmes, tonight was not the night. Tonight was not the night for you. And the only reason I say that there are people out there waiting for the other shoe to drop is that he doesn't have a long track record that this is who he is. And the other part of this is nobody has a long track record that this is who he is. Nobody's pitched like this. Rivera didn't pitch like this. Maybe early in his career, you know, 96, 97, 98, 99. But a point, what is the ERA? 0.47? 0.49 ERA? I mean, it's unbelievable. It is 0.47 earned run average for Clay Holmes. And the bullpen locks it down for the Yankees. 1-800-919-3776. So the Yankees take game one of the four-game series uh, against the Red Sox. This is a game that in recent years we have seen, and we've seen this this year against Tampa Bay, and we've seen this this year tonight against the Boston Red Sox. How many times in recent years have Yankee fans bang their heads against the wall when the Yankees lost games like this one in Fenway Park. How many times? I mean, we have seen that countless times in recent years as the Red Sox have been above the Yankees in the pecking order of the American League East, American League East for the most part. The Rays in recent years have also been above the Yankees in the pecking order in the American League East. The Yankees have lost frustrating games to them over the years. But think about this, okay? Tampa Bay has lost several games to the Yankees this season in which they're the team making the mental mistakes. They're the team making the physical errors. Look, the Yankees have played solid, fundamentally sound baseball. They have pitched extremely well in the starting rotation, and they have been lights out in the bullpen. They have gotten timely hitting. They have fielded their positions, and they've gotten... A standout MVP season from Aaron Judge. Very good seasons from Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton. A bounce-back season from Glaber Torres, and that's been the recipe. That's been the recipe for the Yankees and their record of 60-23. and 23. But the bullpen has stood above all. Uh, I think some nights the bullpen gets overshadowed by the starting rotation. Some nights the bullpen gets overshadowed by Aaron Judge. This was a night where when you're looking at the reasons why the Yankees won this game, yes, Donaldson had the big grand slam early. This is a night where you look at the reasons why the Yankees won the game, and it was because of the bullpen. So 6-5 to five is the final score. Let's open up the phone lines at 1-800-919-3776. Let's welcome in Simon from New Haven. Simon, how you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm glad that, that we won, but we got to get rid of Gallo. I'm sorry. He proved tonight why he stinks. I'm sorry. I just can't take this. He's just like Gardner. He can't land on a bunt. He's not good at hitting. Why do we even have him? What did he do tonight specifically that bothered you, Simon? I mean, he he, he tries to, 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 to lay down a bunt, and he doesn't even run fast enough. I mean, he stinks. He, he, he just cannot hit. He, he looks so lost to the plate. I mean, we we have Judge pinch hit Judge for the, for this guy. I mean, Gallo stinks. He proves it. No, he's he's had a terrible season, Simon. Uh, thanks for the call, and <laughs> thank you as always for <laughs> bringing up Brett Gardner because <laughs> we know your feelings on him. Um, look, Gallo, I, I still think there's a a good chance that the Yankees do replace Gallo as an everyday outfielder. 
by the time the trade, trade deadline rolls around, or maybe even after the trade deadline, internally, with a Miguel Andujar, somebody I've been pushing uh, for for weeks. But tonight's not the night to rip Gallo. I mean, it's not. Gallo, actually, the last two nights, and I heard Aaron Boone on today with uh, Dan Gross and Gordon Damer as they filled in on the Michael K show, and I heard Boone's weekly spot, and they asked him about Gallo. Obviously, when you have a guy in your lineup every day batting 165, uh, and slugging 335 and, and the anemic numbers that Joey Gallo has put up this season. When he has a night like last night where he draws a walk to start a rally and scores a run and then later hits a home run, a monstrous home run. And then I thought tonight he actually had a pretty good night also. He drew a walk to start a rally again, scored on the Josh Donaldson Grand Slam. Earlier in the game, he made a nice sliding catch in the outfield uh, to end the inning. He's a terrific defensive player not good enough to make up for the offensive production that he has put up this year but the last two nights and and Boone said this with Gallo you just hope for you know small improvement or incremental improvement or what have you well the last two nights have been that for Joey Gallo and it's interesting because if you look around both New York teams and we'll get to the Mets I promise but when the Yankees win in Fenway six to five uh, after almost blowing a five nothing lead and the Mets have a drama free 10 nothing win at City Field over the Marlins a uh, little more to digest in the Yankees Red Sox game we will get to the Mets and let's bring them into the conversation here because despite the great success of both teams so far both teams we expect to be active before the trade deadline, specifically to fill a hole or holes in their lineup. And I said this last night, and I've been saying this for weeks, and I'm not the only one. All you need to do is watch the team play or look at the numbers. But the Yankees for this entire season, maybe the most amazing thing about the fact that they're 60 and 23 is the amount of holes that they have in their lineup for a team that is 60 and 23. And you start with Gallo, and then you move on to Hicks, and then you move on to Donaldson. And when Higashioka has been behind the plate, you haven't gotten any offensive production from that position. So on many nights, those are four spots in the lineup that are not producing. I joked with someone the other day, uh, Josh Donaldson must be the happiest person on the team that Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks are here because nobody's focusing on Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson has not been good either. But guess what? These last couple of days, Josh Donaldson's been pretty good. So all the guys that are occupying the quote-unquote holes in the Yankees lineup, and let's include the Mets here now, because tonight was a night for the guys who are occupying the quote-unquote holes in the Mets lineup. A grand slam for J.D. Davis, a three-run home run for James McCann. So now McCann has had back-to-back big nights in wins for the Mets. A grand slam for J.D. Davis tonight. A grand slam for Josh Donaldson. A home run and a double for Aaron Hicks. He had a grand slam last night. Joey Gallo walked, scored a run, and hit a home run last night. So, hey, the last couple of days for the quote-unquote holes in the respective lineups of the Yankees and the Mets, these have been your nights. And then you can allow yourself to think, wow, look, the Mets are going to be aggressive They're going to bring in at least a bat, if not two, before the trade deadline. I don't think the Yankees are going to be as aggressive, but I would not be surprised at all if they brought in a bat to fortify their lineup. You know, I don't know if Matt Carpenter has staying power. It was interesting last night, and again tonight, look where Matt Carpenter is in the pecking order. You know, last night he plays right field. Aaron Hicks sits out the game in Pittsburgh. Carpenter bats third in the Yankees lineup without Rizzo. Tonight, Carpenter's the third-place hitter again. So Carpenter, who's not even an outfielder, not even a regular outfielder, he's been a jack-of-all-trades guy his entire career. His bat has been so good that he has, in short time, surpassed Hicks and Gallo in the pecking order. So what does that say for Hicks and Gallo? Obviously, it says that you need to start producing or you are going to lose your spot completely on this roster. Well, Hicks has started producing a little bit more in recent weeks. Got to be fair to him. Gallo, I wouldn't say it's recent weeks. It's two days. He had a good night last night. He had a good night tonight. And we'll see if he can carry that over. Garrett Cole, shaky. Five runs allowed in six innings. Two separate home runs allowed to Rafael Devers, but he gets the win. Yankees get the win. Start of a four-game weekend series. At City Field, start of a four-game weekend series between the Mets and the Marlins. 
and the Mets, Mets jump all over Miami 10 nothing. You know, you think back to two days ago, and I heard uh, dissenting opinions on how the Mets should have reacted to the one nothing loss on Tuesday night to Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, when Max Scherzer returned, was brilliant, 11 strikeouts over uh, six innings in his first game back in 47 days, and, and he seems all systems go uh, for his next start coming off of that. But the Mets lost the game, and they lost the game one nothing. And, you know, when you lose one nothing to a team like Cincinnati, it obviously raises some red flags. You know, I was in the camp of those who are concerned with the Mets offense and focusing on the Mets offense are really missing the big picture because uh, the Mets as, as a team are one that as you as you have watched them build this 10.5 game lead over Atlanta and then it, it was cut to 7 and then it dwindled down to 5.5 and, and then 3.5 and, and then ultimately 2.5 games as recently as a couple of days ago. Um, you were on the bright side if you were looking at it, able to do that without Scherzer for a large stretch of time and without Jacob deGrom as well. So if, and we for weeks used that word if when describing the potential returns of Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom, if they can come back and be themselves. Well, Scherzer came back, he was himself, and then some on Tuesday night. And that was the most important thing to come out of Tuesday night. Now look at what the Mets have done since then. Just two games after that, but Tuesday night they get shut out. And then Wednesday night, last night, in the rubber match of that three-game series in Cincinnati, they are held to two runs over the first eight innings. They scratch out a run in the ninth on Starling Marte's RBI double that scored Brandon Nimmo. It forced extra innings. Then they exploded for five runs in the tenth. They win last night eight to three. They win today ten to nothing. So all of a sudden, and this is why you can't focus on your offense struggling or your offense being quote-unquote anemic if they're shut out in one game. Shutouts happen all the time. I mean, the Yankees last weekend were no hit for 16 consecutive innings. 16 innings against the same opponent. They didn't have a hit. And the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. So those who are focusing on the Mets not scoring in that one game on Tuesday night in Cincinnati, in my opinion, were missing the point. What have they done since then? They scored six runs in the last two innings last night, and then today they scored 10 runs in the first five innings. So that's 16 runs scored in a seven-inning span. And then on top of that, they are getting excellent starting pitching. Um, David Peterson was solid again last night, obviously kept them in the game, gave them a chance to win. The Mets' bullpen was fantastic last night. And then Trevor Williams, who's been spotty, Filling in at the back end of that rotation had by far his best outing of the season. He throws 83 pitches, just 83 pitches over seven shutout innings. He struck out seven, and he allowed two hits. He picks up his second win of the season, a record of 2-5. and five. The ERA not bad at all, 3.76. And again, more than enough run support uh, for Trevor Williams and the Mets in their 10-0 victory. So after the game, Buck Showalter spoke about Williams' night. Attacking the strike zone. I thought he had a little more depth on his breaking ball. Uh, he had all three pitches. You know, y'all hear it. You know, when guys pitch well, it's a pretty common refrain. But he uh, drove the ball down the zone, elevated when he needed to, uh, stayed in attack mode. And, and we scored some runs or a run. He went out there and put a zero up there. And got, uh, that, that was, you know, Trevor very quietly has delivered a lot for us in a lot of different roles. And uh, to pitch seven innings tonight, he was he had a limit around 75, 80, and he was I don't know what he ended up with about 80, and uh, not limit, but that's where we were going to start looking at him. But uh, and we were going to hit her hit her with him in the seventh, and he wouldn't give us a chance to get him out of there. And some good defensive plays. I thought Francisco made a big play early in the game, um, short hop glove side, catching Nemo made in center field. That's good to catch anybody you want to see that. What's the catch probability on that one? Anybody see it? Yeah, it's like the hit prob- <coughs> 87%. Oh, they're underwriting that one. I mean, Buck Showalter does make me laugh. I could listen to him all day. I've said this many times. He, you know, he's done a really good job of, of relating to his players, relating to the media when he speaks with them before or after the games. He's just, you know, really, really smart with managing relationships and managing personalities. He said something there that made me laugh as I heard him say it, asking the media. You're kind of involving them 
as if they're a part of this. When he said, what, what did Williams have, 80, 80 pitches tonight? If you don't think that Buck Showalter, as he was sitting there after the game, knew exactly how many pitches Trevor Williams threw. The number, by the way, was 83 pitches. Not that I was counting, but I'm looking at the box score right now. If you didn't think that Buck Showalter knew exactly how many pitches Trevor Williams threw, then you don't really know Buck Showalter. But that's, that's the beauty of him. That's the genius of him. And that is what you get from... I mean, what was he? He was a rookie manager in 1992. So he's been managing, not continuously, but he's been in Major League Baseball as a manager for 30 years. He wasn't always like that. He was a little crusty and prickly in the early days in New York and in Arizona. But over time, he has learned to adapt to the media. He has learned to adapt to his players. Not that you have to do that. Well, and you don't have to adapt to the media. It just makes your life easier. And he's smart enough. Smart people know that things that make their life easier are going to make their life easier. Put that on a bumper sticker, all right? Smart people know that things that make their life easier are going to make their life easier. But that's who Buck Showalter is. He knows what's going to make his life easier. I, I really do enjoy his interactions with the media. He, he mentioned Brandon Nimmo. Uh, Nimmo tonight, uh, the on-base percentage is up to 362. He goes one for three. Talking about that great catch and trying to gauge the catch probability or the hit probability on the play while praising his center fielder, who during the first half of the season has gotten some all-star buzz. So what exactly did Buck know about, about Brandon Nimmo before he took over as Mets manager? I think the common thread of things that I heard, and I try not to listen too much, was that he was going to be as good as he's capable of being. And that was very... Uh, um, you know, it makes you feel good about it. And a lot of guys, you're going, boy, are they ever going to reach the potential you know they have? But, you know, Nim's going to, he's going to reach for his, uh, his level. And um, talking to a lot of guys, say how he seems to have improved every year. Keep in mind, you know, his background and stuff, this guy's <clears throat> rounding into a well-rounded player. He's got pop. He can, you know, scores on everything he's supposed to score, and he cares. He always something very consistent with his effort, and he's a great teammate. You know, he's fun to watch. Sometimes I, I try to just leave him alone, let him go, because he's such a self-starter. I've heard coaches at different levels tell me this: high school coaches, successful ones, college coaches. Um, I've heard professional coaches say this as well: playing hard in this day and age has turned into a skill. And not that that's Brandon Nimmo's only skill, but it is certainly one of his greatest skills, playing hard, because he plays hard all the time, and not everybody around him does. So if you're playing hard at a time when someone who might be more talented than you is not playing as hard, that is just going to be a greater advantage to you. And Nimmo has gone from a guy who, when he came up, all we knew about him, he was a first-round draft pick, his high school in Wyoming didn't have a baseball team, so he played American Legion ball. He smiled all the time, and he sprinted to first when he walked. So right off the bat from there, between the smiling all the time and the sprinting to first base when he draws a base on balls, how can you not like the guy? How can you not root for the guy off the bat? But for a while, that's who he was. You know, he's kind of a novelty. You, you rooted for him for those reasons. But Buck's right, as he has said that people have commented he has improved each and every year. He has. And now what is Brandon Nimmo? Brandon Nimmo is an everyday player. He's a starting center fielder, above average defender, gets on base at an above average clip, and he plays a pivotal and important role for one of the best teams in the National League. And that, if, if that's not what you want out of your first-round draft pick, then I don't know what the expectations are for a first-round draft pick. One more from Buck, as I mentioned, uh, for the Mets and the Yankees. The last couple of nights, they've gotten both teams' production, big-time production, from guys who have been underwhelming this season. For the Mets tonight, a three-run home run for James McCann and then a grand slam for J.D. Davis. And here's the Mets manager on the big night for both of them. I'm just I'm so impressed with the way they work through things. I mean, we, we get in it. Most of these guys got to bed 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning JD's out on the field hitting today. I mean, he just never gives in. Max the same way. Max the same guy every day. You know, he's earnest. You know, they're both sincere, and that's why I think it. When they have a successful night and get a return for their want to, it's 
just kind of everybody feeds off that. So we all know what JD's capable of and Mac's track record. And it's just been, you know, I was talking to Glenn today, Sherlock, too. Is, you know, Mac's just now starting to get a strength back in his hand where he can, I think that's part of it, too. He's starting to, you know, you've seen the last couple of games, his at bats have been better. Two guys who have come to New York in recent years uh, with a spotlight on them McCann as a free agent and Joey Gallo in a trade in which the Yankees gave up some pretty valuable assets last season. Neither of them has performed well. And this season and recent weeks in particular, because both teams are in position to go very far in the playoffs and because the trade deadline is approaching, both guys have taken the field day after day and tried to do their jobs while hearing nonstop talk about how their teams are looking to replace them. The Mets are shopping for a catcher. How long have the Mets been shopping for a catcher to replace James McCann? And obviously, on the Yankees' side of things, Joey Gallo has certainly heard the noise about how he is not long for a starting outfield spot in the Yankees. But the last two days, at least, Gallo for the Yankees, McCann for the Mets, contributing and contributing to victories. And that's the kind of baseball season it has been so far in New York. So the Mets win 10 nothing, The Yankees win 6-5. to Yankees in Fenway over the Red Sox. Mets at home over the Miami Marlins. We'll switch gears when we come back and some post-game reaction from the Yankees clubhouse. The skipper, Aaron Boone, as the Yanks hold on to take the opener in Fenway. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. We are recapping the night on the diamond for the Yankees and the Mets. Mets 10-0 winners in a walk over the Marlins at City Field. Uh, seven shutout innings for Trevor Williams. A grand slam for J.D. Davis. A three-run home run for James McCann. Yankees jumped out to a 5-0 lead in Fenway Park. Josh Donaldson got him going with a grand slam. And then Aaron Hicks followed with a back-to-back home run. And just like that, it was 5-0. Got a little interesting at 5-2 when Garrett Cole gave up a two-run home run to Rafael Devers. But it seemed like the Yankees had straightened things out when uh, Aaron Hicks scored when uh, the Boston first baseman lost or misjudged a pop fly in the infield that would have gotten them out of the inning. Hicks, who had doubled and was on second base, scored on the play. Jose Trevino hustling out of the box, got to second base on a double. By the way, that's one of those scoring decisions that drives me crazy. They gave Trevino a double on that play. It was a pop-up to the first baseman between first base and and home plate, and the guy completely misjudged it, didn't even make contact with the ball. I don't understand the the, the unwritten rule that says if you don't actually make contact with the ball, it can't be an error. I mean, if I'm the pitcher, that would drive me nuts. It's a pop-up on the infield in front of first base, and this man is a Major League Baseball player. I was on the field with my son and some of his friends earlier today, and we were throwing them pop-ups. And granted, the pop-ups we were throwing were not hit as high as Jose Trevino's was hit, but they were catching them. How that wasn't an error, I do not understand. All right, let's get some post-game reaction from the Yanks. Uh, Let's start with Aaron Boone. Let's start with the good. The good, or the great, as it has been all season long, has been the bullpen. As I mentioned, Cole made it interesting, turned a 5-0 lead into a 6-5 lead, but then Cole threw up a scoreless inning in the 6th, which was big. Then he handed the ball off to the bullpen. Wandy Peralta got four outs, Michael King got two, and then Clay Holmes as easy a 1-2-3 closeout ninth inning, as you will see from any closer. So three scoreless, three hitless innings for the Yankees' bullpen. What did Aaron Boone think of them tonight? Wandy was terrific. He was so efficient there, you know, knowing they probably might shoot their shoot some of their pinch hitters there down at the bottom. They only shot one, and and uh, you know he's able to go have a real efficient inning there. Uh, and then because he's going one, two, three, I knew obviously I wanted him to face Devers there, uh, able to retire him. Um, great job there, and then getting the ball to Michael King, who who does a good job, and then Holmes uh, was 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 pretty solid, uh, obviously, at the back end there, especially with a, a good play there, uh, getting off the mound to finish it. But uh, they were they were pretty good tonight. It's interesting when you look at the Yankees' bullpen. The, this, is, this is the hierarchy right now, isn't it? Obviously, Holmes is the closer. 
Michael King, outside of Holmes, has been the most effective relief pitcher all season long. Now, I know Aroldis Chapman just came back. He had the bad outing in Cleveland. But then Boone was smart and got him back on the mound on in Pittsburgh on Tuesday. He was really good. Then he threw him back out there last night in that lopsided Yankees win because Chapman, as I said last night, is going to be an important guy for this team. So there's no way he was going to go to Chapman tonight three days in a row, less than a week after coming off the injured list. So he wasn't an option. But he made important strides the last two nights in Pittsburgh. And it was interesting in a high-leverage spot because Boone managed this game like a playoff game. He had Clay Holmes warming up in the eighth inning. And if King, who walked a batter, got another batter on with two outs, I would have been very curious to have seen if Boone would have gone to Clay Holmes for a four-out save. I think he would have because why have him warm up in that inning if you're not ready to pull the trigger and, and bring him in? Now, at some point, I think Chapman's going to factor into the back end of the bullpen, but it's interesting to take stock of where the Yankees are right now. That is the back end of their bullpen. We know it's Holmes, and we know it's Michael King, and Wandy Peralta is that lefty in that high-leverage spot. I mean, he was the first man in the game to protect a one-run lead after Cole left following six innings of work. So it's interesting to see where he is right now because you have Chapman, who has just come back, and Jonathan Loisega, who was your best setup man, and let's be honest, your best relief pitcher all of last season. He's not in the mix right now. He is presumably going to come back at some point as well. Continuing along after a uh, quick first hour in which we saw the Yankees wrap up a 6-5 to win. Fenway Park over the Red Sox after the Mets had breezed past the Marlins 10-0 at City Field. You heard the update at the top of the hour. Great quote. Kevin Winter with the update for us on ESPN Radio by Garrett Cole. Asked about Rafael Devers, who has owned him. Five career home runs against him. No major league players more home runs against Garrett Cole. He had two tonight. Drove in all five runs that Boston scored. Almost single-handedly brought them back after trailing 5 to nothing earlier in the game. And Cole said, I'm open to suggestions. And I believe it. You know, Cole's not the kind of guy who is going to have a subpar outing and get in front of the cameras and the microphones afterwards and be joking around. I think he honestly, that's the point he's at right now, which tells me I was trying to decipher his body language after that second home run where he turned around, saw the ball sail over the fence, threw his arms up in the air, and just kind of stared out towards center field for several seconds. And I, I just I think he's a man without answers right now when facing this one particular hitter. Now, in fairness to Cole, Devers is one of the greatest hitters in Major League Baseball right now. But the Cole thing bears watching. Because until he actually does it in a big spot, and by big spot I mean a postseason spot, a playoff spot. You know, since coming to New York... When you're paid $34 million a year, you are supposed to take the ball in the biggest games that your team is playing and deliver. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's the end of the story. That's what you're getting paid for. Now, if we look at Cole's postseason career so far, uh, his last start of 2020, and 2020 was such an odd season. I mean, such an odd year. We don't need to explain why. But when the Yankees made it to the ALDS that year, they had a Game 5 against Tampa Bay. The Yankees had a one nothing lead in that game with Garrett Cole on the mound. He couldn't hold the lead, and he couldn't last more than five innings in that game. And the Yankees ultimately lost 2-1 to one when Aroldis Chapman gave up the home run to Mike Brasso. And I know on paper, the numbers look good. He gave up one run, but he only pitched five innings. He threw a lot of pitches, and he had the ball with the lead in that game. And then last year was just an unbelievable failure and that's going to continue to hang over Cole uh, until he gets on the mound in the playoffs this year and performs he could have gone seven shutout innings tonight he could have put up a Trevor Williams line tonight Williams seven shutout innings two hits allowed on the mound for the Mets Cole could have done that in Fenway Park and yeah it would have alleviated a lot of the concerns but they wouldn't have gone away and that's where he stands right now those concerns aren't going to go away until he does it in the postseason. So Cole's numbers tonight, look, other than the two of Devers at bats, he was pretty good. You know, a few too many walks, 
that you would like to see, more than you would like to see. But when your ace has a 5-0 lead, and then all of a sudden it's 6-5 to in the fifth inning and you are holding on for dear life, that is not ideal. That's not what you want out of your ace. Now, the good for Cole, his numbers this season are really good. He's 8-2. and two. He's got a 3.26 earned run average. He struck out seven batters. He pitched six innings. He gave up five runs, all of them earned, and he walked three batters. And then the big number, the two home runs, both to Rafael Devers. So that was Cole's night. Most importantly, he wins, and the Yankees win. That's the most important thing uh, to come out of this night. Aaron Boone afterwards was asked why Devers was such a headache for Garrett Cole tonight. Well, he's great. I mean, he's a great player, great hitter, obviously. Um, you know, and you know, I think that first one trying to back foot the slider probably and stayed on the plate. You know, it's probably down, might even end up in the dirt, and he's able to go down and and kill it there, and then probably just pulled the change up just a little bit, and you know, you know, you think one of these times he'd roll over one or line out somewhere. He just um, hasn't hasn't given him a break at all. But, um, you know, you just got to keep plugging away at it. And, you know, that's a great pitcher against a great hitter. And, and you know, he's had some success, obviously. So, And, and he's gotten him on some different, different pitches and some different looks, uh, which Garrett's tried to give him. So, uh, you know, we'll keep working at it. Outside of that, Cole was good. As the Yankees win their 60th game, no team in Major League Baseball has won more than 54 games. That is Houston. And right now, Houston is five and a half games behind the Yankees in the American League. And that's really the only race to watch if you're a Yankees fan for the latter half of this season. The best record in the American League and home field advantage for the American League Championship Series if it is, in fact, the Yankees against the Astros for the third time in what would be six years. But outside of the two home runs allowed to Devers, Cole was pretty good. Here's Boone on his overall night. I thought it was great tonight. You know, it was other than obviously Devers who got him. Uh, I thought he was sharp. I thought his stuff was really good. Um, I thought he was, for the most part, um, you know, getting into some good counts and dictating counts, pounding the strike zone with all this stuff. Um, you know, Devers was just a handful for him. You know, doesn't get the call in the Ploiecki. You know, check swing, I haven't looked at it, but it seemed pretty close. Um, you know, that kind of set up the second one. Um, but, you know, around Devers, I thought he was pretty sharp. Around Devers, he was pretty sharp. But you can't say that he was great when your ace in a game like that and an environment like that allows five earned runs and two home runs over six innings pitched. But again, you'd rather, you know, quote-unquote, learn the lesson and Cole's a studious guy. He pays a lot of attention to his craft. Uh, like we heard the update at the top of the hour, he said he's open to suggestions on how to pitch against Devers. So he'll go to work on this, and he will at least attempt to learn from this. And I always like to say uh, it's better to learn a lesson and try to improve yourself coming off of a win because you could do it just as easily when you win the game as when you lose the game. And Cole wasn't at his best. The numbers weren't at his best. But he was good enough to win, and the Yankees were good enough to win in Boston. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Benny and Lodi. What's up, Benny? Vinny. With a V. Oh, Vinny. Sorry. How you doing tonight? All right. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. See, I can't, I can't decide whether I want to talk about Garrett Cole or Aaron Boone because they're both just amazing. All right, let's start with Boone. All right, Boone. First of all, you line up the season, and he, all right, you got Judge has a little thing on his foot. Understandable. He's six eight or whatever he is in center field. You take a night. You know what? We got Cole pitching. Take a night. We don't need you. Rizzo, you're awesome. We got Cole pitching. We don't need you. By the way, we got Donaldson. We got Hicks coming. You know, we got guys working. Boone feels like he feels the team. He's got analytics in his ear, and he does a great job with it. But he feels the team, and I love him. So you're pro Boone. I think you can say that. It's hard not to be pro Boone this season. I haven't always been pro Boone. Um, I've certainly come around this year. The 723 winning percentage helps. But go ahead. But when did you not like him, though? The early years. I thought there was a lot of inexperience and, and questionable decision-making and, and a lack of motivation the last couple of years. 
Yeah, but when he first got the job, he had to prove what he said in the interview. I love analytics. I will go by the analytics. You know, like he's starting to feel himself a little bit in the job, and I love he's just fitting right now. Right now I feel like the Yankees with Boone, with the team, Cashman's always great, and I hate everybody who ever says get rid of Cashman because that's just stupid in my opinion. He is one of the greatest GMs. It helps having security as any job, but he does something with it. He has money, and he works it. He makes great moves. Well, look at look at this Yankees team, for example. Let's look at tonight's game. All right, Wandy Peralta, an inning and a third out of the bullpen. Uh, Cashman, left out of nowhere. Cashman gets him for Mike Talkman, a, a fifth outfielder. That was the trade last year. And then Clay Holmes, the closer. I'll have to look. I, don't, I have to look up who the Yankees gave to Pittsburgh for Clay Holmes last year. So, yeah. I don't even know who Clay Holmes is from. I just heard a post-game interview from him. I love him to death. He just loves baseball. He's a big fan. Say that again? Clay Holmes. I just heard him on the post-game interview tonight. He just loves baseball. I never heard of him before. He's having the time of his life, <laughs> and he's performing. Quick, what, what's your point on Cole before I let you go? Oh, about Cole? I don't know. I never heard of him before, and he's doing great. You know what? He's doing. He's giving us a great opportunity to work Chapman into a position that he that Chapman belongs into because he's not a closer anymore. Yeah, I think Chapman can still be an effective piece, Vinny. Thanks for the call. I, I think he was answering my question on what do you think about Holmes. I was asking him about his Cole point, but that's okay. Uh, all right, so this is an Aaron Boone fan. My thing on Boone has been this. Uh, my biggest criticism on Boone the last four years, I, I never, never at one point over the last four years, including the playoffs in 2019. Now, the regular season in 2019 was very, very good. The Yankees had a lot of firepower out of their lineup that year and they were able to still win games at a very, very high rate. I make it all the way to the ALCS. That was Boone's high watermark as Yankees manager. We'll see how this season turns out. My, my criticism of Boone from day one was they got rid of a seasoned manager who took a team in 2017, the quote-unquote baby bombers, within a game of the World Series earlier than expected. You got rid of that guy to bring in a guy with no managerial experience. And the first two, three, four seasons of watching Aaron Boone manage this team, I thought there were missteps that were a result of inexperience because he had never been a manager. But guess what? This is year five. So that argument that I made in year two and year three that he had no managerial experience, that is no longer a valid argument. He's been a manager now. This is his fifth season as a major league manager. And not just a major league manager, for the New York Yankees in this market with this fan base and these expectations and this media group. So, yeah, it's been an accelerated learning process for Boone. I think that is showing in his performance and in the performance of his team. Like everything, I reserve, you know, the right to change my opinion over time. When my argument for years was that he doesn't have any managerial experience, and now he's in his fifth year as a major league manager, well, you can't use that argument anymore. Right, Clay Holmes is 29 years old now. And if you didn't see the end of that Yankees-Red Sox game, uh, show me a more dominant one, two, three, ninth inning by a closer. Especially in that rivalry for the first time. Yanks got him last year, July 26th. He was 3-2 and two last season. Um, over his tenure, this is this is with Pittsburgh, by the way. Over his tenure with the Pirates, he had a 5.57 earned run average. Yanks acquired him for D minor league infielders Diego Castillo and Hoy Park. Uh, Holmes was really good last year after the Yankees got him down the stretch, and he has been. I mean, he'll be in the All-Star game. If the American League is winning late, I can't imagine that he's not the guy who Dusty Baker calls out of the bullpen to lock down the game for the American League or try to do so. You know, the role that Mariano Rivera held for so many years, he has been that dominant. A 5.57 ERA in 91 games for the Pirates, a 0.47 earned run average this season as the closer. Uh, for the New York Yankees. But the offense tonight provided by Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. Donaldson had the big grand slam in the third inning. Hicks followed that up uh, with the solo home run going back-to-back. -back. Hicks would later double and score on the misjudged pop-up 
in the infield for the Red Sox, and that ended up being the difference in the game. That was the Yankees' sixth run. They win the game 6-5. to five. But Donaldson, a big blow last night in Pittsburgh, a grand slam to get the Yankees on the board tonight in Boston. Uh, here's Aaron Boone on Donaldson's at-bats these last two days. Yeah, it's been great because I really feel like he's been so close for really the bulk of the season. You know, he's, he's I feel like, gotten a good swing off a lot, just missed here, or just a little bit in and out. Um, but the last couple days, you know, obviously getting some ro- results, getting a hit on the board early the other way, and then and then absolutely sticking one there to center. Um, that's what he's capable of. You know, he, he's going to get rolling, and we're going to hop on at some point with him, and he's – He's going to play such a big part in this because um, he can still do that right there. And uh, and coupled with how well he's playing in the field, um, you know, excited for him to have him come up big for us the last couple nights. He has been good in the field. That's been a big part of the Yankees' overall improvement. Better defense at shortstop with Kiner Falefa. Better defense behind the plate with Trevino or Higashioka. Better defense at third base with Donaldson. DJ LeMay, who's been really good defensively wherever he has played. Glaber Torres, now that he doesn't have to worry about playing shortstop, has been good defensively. Anthony Rizzo, as good as it gets defensively at first base. But yeah, Donaldson has certainly contributed to that. The offensive numbers across the board, not where you would want them to be, but I have more faith. The three Yankees who have underperformed to this point in the season in the lineup are Donaldson, Hicks, and Gallo. I have more faith that Donaldson is going to break through than either Hicks or Gallo. So if this is a sign that that's happening right now for Josh Donaldson, that's only going to make this team better. 1-800-919-3776. Eli in Washingtonville. What's up, Eli? Hey, what's going on? Uh, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the Yankee win. Uh, but uh, like earlier today, I got into it, uh, uh, an argument with uh, Gordon Damer over the, the Aaron Boone interview. Uh, there was a question where he he asked Aaron Boone, uh, "Did you uh, do you feel like telling the media that you told that you told them so?" Or the, the whole, yeah, the I heard whole, that question. That you yeah, always right. And I was like, "Come on, like." We're already dawning this team. Like, I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm a realist at the same time. We're already fine. We're having a great season, but everybody's calling this a magical season and, and, and you know, enjoy the ride. I, I'll enjoy the ride when the ride is over. When, my, when, when, when the roller coaster is over and we in, in a canyon of, of heroes in a parade, then I'll start to celebrate. But, you know, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – call Aaron Boone a genius when his last tenure here, I mean, his last couple of years here, it was like mistake after mistake. Like, do I have to remind everybody when they played the Tampa Bay Rays, when they brought out Garcia for one inning and then brought, uh, and then, uh, brought in half? Do we have to remind uh, when uh, how many times he let Chapman walk the bases loaded and, 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 you know, lose the game in the bottom of the ninth inning and blow saves? Like, Fine, we're having a good season. You're not going to tell me that this guy's doing a he's doing an okay job in, in, as a manager because you know what? Our starting pitching out of that you know eighty something wins that we have seventy six are are to the the starting pitch. Like so, it's not like he has to make any any you know big time decisions. So you know he's doing a, a decent job. The you know my like. Uh, you know, like my my big test was the Astros. That's when I was like, you know what? I'll I'll say if the Yankees are 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 playoff bound or I mean a uh, World Series bound, if we do well against the Astros. And what happened against the Astros? Our bats fell asleep. That's that's one thing that is constant with this team every single season when we go to the playoffs. Our bats fall asleep. So that's. That's the only thing that had. I'm not celebrating these 59 wins because you know it's good. We we'll, we'll have the division, but Gallo cannot be in this lineup come come uh, playoff time, and and Hicks also you know can't be in this in uh, you know a solution at outfield. Eli, you make a lot of good points, and I agree with a lot of what you said. And thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I mean. It, 
Aaron Boone <laughs> shouldn't be telling anybody I told you. So I, I, if he said I told you so, I'd turn around and say, you, you told me what? You know, uh, obviously he's happy with where his team is. You know, he's proud of where his team is, and he should be. They're 60 and 23. You know, you, you look at 2019, and, and I, I love the, you know, the reminders, especially of that debacle in the 2020 playoffs against Tampa when they won game one and then you start Davey Garcia, you take him out after one inning and then you bring in Jay Happ and he didn't have it. You let Tampa right back in that series and you ultimately lose the series. And in my opinion, you can pinpoint that entire series to that one moment and that one decision. Garcia was really good the last month of that season, that COVID shortened season for the Yankees. He came up from the minors and really stabilized a struggling rotation. And then you jerked him around in his first career playoff start, and the guy hasn't been heard from since. I'm not saying that decision ruined his career or torpedoed his career, but at the time, my instant reaction was Boone got too cute. And that's exactly what happened. It cost them a game, and it cost them a series in the playoffs. And that's what I mean when I said for the first two or three years, Aaron Boone has not proven himself to be a successful major league manager. Now this year, and, and look, when you're coaching a team and or managing a team and they're 60 and 23, it's going to be hard to nitpick the job that you're doing. But the bottom line for this Yankees team is, yeah, it will all come down to whether or not they can finish the job in October. But what I would say to Eli and what I would say to any Yankee fan is, Enjoy the ride while you're on it, because this is a pretty special season. You know, it's starting to remind me, and I've said this a lot on shows in recent days and weeks that I've hosted here, but it's starting to remind me a lot of 1998. Not just, it's different because that team was just dominant at every position and had no holes. This team has holes in the lineup we've discussed. Um, It just seems like, Whatever the Yankees need on a given night, they get. You know, tonight, for example, yeah, the Yankees jump out to the 5 nothing lead, and then it's 5-2, to two, and then Hicks doubles, and he's standing on second base with two outs, and Jose Trevino pops it up between first base and home plate. And what happens? The first baseman misjudges the ball, and it falls to the grass. Hicks scores from second. Trevino ends up on second with what they called a double. And now it's 6-2. to two. So at the time, you don't think much of it. Okay, it's an extra run. Yankees are going to run away with this thing. But then Rafael Devers hits a three-run home run to make it 6-5. to five, And then the Yankees' bullpen shuts down the Red Sox over the final three innings. So the difference in the game, the game-deciding run was scored on that play. And there's been a lot of that kind of stuff happening this season for the Yankees. Just like it happened in 1998, the last time they were winning games at such a high percentage. I mean, let's be honest. 60 and 23, a 723 winning percentage. After tonight's win, we are now two games into the second half of the schedule. So you're not playing at a 723 clip after 40 games or after 60 games. All right, you're 83 games into the season. You are more than halfway home and you are still on pace for 116, 117 wins. That's very, very deep in the season. 2019, Boone's best season. That was, in many ways, a magical regular season as well. They went 103-59, and but they were without regular players the entire season. The leader in games played that year was Glaber Torres. He played 144 games. No, I'm sorry. LeMahieu played 145. Torres played 144. He started the season in the minors. Didn't even come up until late April. But Sanchez, your catcher, played 106. Luke Voigt played 118. Didi played 82. Gio Urshela took over as the starting third baseman, played 132. Brett Gardner played 141. Judge played 102. You picked up Edwin Encarnacion late. Uh, Aaron Hicks played 59 games. Big surprise. John Carlos Stanton played 18 games. You know, you had guys plugged in like Tyro Estrada and Tyler Wade, and Austin Romine, and Cameron Mabin. I mean, he got Cameron Mabin a broadcasting job, the uh, 82 games he played for the Yankees that season, and giving everybody a hug after they hit a home run. Uh, 
Mike Ford hit 12 home runs in 50 games. That was kind of a magical season, too. Um, you could say it's a, you know, magical season for, for the season in hindsight to be magical has to end with a championship. But what they did that year, uh, I remember in, in real time was, was very unique because of the amount of games they had lost to for significant players on that team. You know, this is, again, our last caller, Eli, made a lot of good points. My only, uh, you know, word of caution or advice or whatever you want to say is enjoy the ride while it's going on. All right, don't wait till the ride is over to enjoy yourself. All right, more of your calls at 1-800-919-3776. Also want to get into uh, the latest in the NBA offseason. Summer League's going on right now, by the way. There's an interesting game on between Orlando and Houston, and that's a matchup of Paolo Boncaro, the number one overall pick in the draft on the Orlando Magic, against Jabari Smith, the number three pick in the draft on the Houston Rockets, who right up until draft time, many people thought would be the number one pick in the draft. And I love how the NBA schedules these Summer League games very early to get a lot of eyeballs on them. Remember in 2019, when Zion Williamson was the number one pick out of Duke and R.J. Barrett was the number three pick out of Duke, who was it that played the first Summer League game that year? It was the Knicks with R.J. against the Pelicans with Zion Williamson. So we got a little bit of that going on right now. It's good to see some of these uh, future stars, young stars of the NBA in action. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show.